There are so many things that are going on in the world, and I have refrained from commenting on the political aspects of this and, and uh, just a, a biblical view, a Christian view of what's going on. And we should never be surprised when the world acts like the world. And I'm going to be speaking on that in a minute. Open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3. But I want to make a few comments about uh, the shutdown and the, this novel coronavirus, the Wuhan virus. Um, number one, of course there is a virus. I know there are some people who are saying that there is no virus. I think that there probably is. Of course, I'm not a medical doctor, but I do believe that there is a, a specific corona or COVID-19 virus. But it is not nearly as contagious. It's not nearly as deadly as the, all of the models predicted. And um, I personally believe that people knew that. Uh, I believe that when President Trump was elected, that it undermined, that his election undermined the, the globalistic system that is in place. I'm not saying that there are you know, a group of people in a room controlling the world, but uh, I believe it was John Stormer who said, yes, there is a conspiracy, but it's a conspiracy of shared ideas, a conspiracy of shared ideas. These globalists around the world, they do not believe in national sovereignty. The idea of a strong United States is uh, a real problem if there's going to be a globalistic system. And so there has been an attempt to diminish the United States in the world. And as a good example of that would be Barack Obama's concept of leading from behind. Well, the only things you can lead from behind are cats. You, they're, they're, you cannot lead thinking people from behind. You can't do that. And that concept, of course, is, is just absolutely ridiculous. But that's, I, that's the idea that there's no such thing as American exceptionalism. There's no such thing as, um, uh, as a difference in cultures. Multiculturalism tells us that all cultures are equally valid. And as you've heard me say many times, Ravi Zacharias asked the question, in some countries, or in one country, they say, love your neighbor. In another country, they say, eat your neighbor. Which do you prefer? And I'll tell you this, if they keep going like this with our economy, there will be people trying to eat each other in the United States. See, we act like that could never happen. But a global collapse always leads to horrible things like that. The Bible talks about that that's going to take place during the tribulation period. This is obviously, this, all of this that's going on, when you can see that all of the models have been wrong. Let, let me say this again. All of the models have been wrong. And not just a little bit. They've been wrong by a magnitude of eight or ten times. And that's why the economy was shut down. President Trump had no choice. When all of the media, the entire world system, the World Health Organization, the United Nations, and of course our, our media that, that hates him and hates us, he really had no choice. But when you look at the death rate that this pandemic, supposed pandemic, uh, is settling into, it's the same as the flu. And now they're going to make us wear masks, they're doing all of these things that we've never done for the flu. And yes, this is really dangerous for people that are elderly or have a pre-existing condition. But I want you to notice that the deaths attributed to the flu, the deaths attributed to uh, 
to pneumonia. There are almost none. And there's no way that that's true. There's another thing that I want you to notice, the way that these deaths are reported. They're saying that so-and-so died after having tested positive for COVID-19. They died after having tested positive for COVID-19. The report doesn't say they died of COVID-19. Most of the people who are dying from this have another serious medical condition that combines with this. So what are we as a church going to do? Well, we're going to wait for our governor. And I'm thankful our governor is a Roman Catholic. He's not a born-again Christian. Um, But he does respect religious liberty. So he has told us as churches from the beginning that we have the, the right to meet. And what we have done as a church is we have tried to be good citizens. We've tried to go along with the recommendations. And, um, but I'll say this, that's not going to last much longer. We're commanded by Scripture to meet. And if someone gets sick because we meet, then so be it. Because there are people that will get the flu or the common cold or any other type of virus that way um, when we meet regularly. These things can happen. And let me just say this, as we've said many times before. There are consequences to living in a free society. There are consequences to living in a free society. And if you as an individual are concerned that you may get this virus and it have a detrimental effect on your family, then don't go outside. Now, we do know that if you go outside, it's more healthy than being inside. If you want to make sure that the virus stays contained, stay inside your house. Of course, common sense would say to open your windows and go outside. And so if you are one of those people that's very concerned for your health in this, and if you have some kind of a pre-existing condition, well, that would be wise. You need to take precautions. That's wisdom. The Bible says that a prudent man seeth trouble afar off and hideth himself from it. That's the wise thing to do. But this is the first time in human history that we have quarantined well people. And uh, I'm just telling you that we as citizens need to not uh, surrender to this for much longer. And I do pray that our leaders will see the wisdom in opening up our economy and allowing us to move about freely again. I do also want to point out the difference between Ohio and some of these other states. A a person's political views, their worldview, really does affect the way that they govern. So here in the state of Ohio, the governor has told us, pastors, it's up to you. Now, he said to us some very harsh things to um, get us to understand how serious he believes this virus is. But he did tell us that according to the First Amendment, you have the right to meet. Contrast that with what Bill de Blasio in New York City has done. What he said over the, the Easter holiday was if churches meet, that he would close them permanently. Well, first of all, I'd like to see him try. But secondly, look at what he's doing now. He's providing 500,000 meals for Ramadan, for the Muslims in Ramadan. And they have to go to the Muslim community centers to get the meals. Well, how is that any different than Christians meeting uh, on Easter Sunday? You see, a person's worldview really does affect the way that they govern. There's a city in Massachusetts, I saw on the news this morning, that if people have uh, have, uh, vacation homes, that the city's not going to turn on their water because they're supposed to stay home. That is their home. You see, a person's worldview or a government's worldview, it affects the way that they govern. And when people believe in the First Amendment, when people believe in human rights, which the Democrats used to believe in, they don't believe in that anymore. If you're watching this and you're a Democrat, you need to remember that. 
You need to watch what these democratic leaders are doing. They're trying to squash our freedoms. They're trying to destroy our economy. I also believe this. I started uh, mentioning this a minute ago. And that is when President Trump was elected, um, it was a real shock to the globalists. And as he is reducing regulations, as he is making better deals for our nation around the world, as he is putting America first in his policies, and of course the liberals say that that's Nazi, um, and and that's just the most ridiculous thing in the world. Uh, I do believe that one of the qualifications for being in media is you have to be really dumb. You have to be really stupid. Or you have to be blatantly dishonest. The idea that putting your own nation first as a, as a leader, that's what we should all expect. And as he did that, we saw the economy exploding. As he removed regulation and as he opened up trade and as he removed, he helped to reduce tariffs in other nations and as he began bringing industry back to the United States, the globalists had to do something. And I believe that this attack on our economy, this attack on our nation, is just that. It's amazing how China has been allowed to open back up so quickly, and yet the United States is expected to stay under lockdown. And notice that the mainstream media is backing China in this and not the United States. If this is the first time you're watching our, our live stream, and this is the first time you've heard us uh, deal with things that in, in a political realm, it's not about politics. It's about truth. And when the truth is not being told, it's the responsibility of the Bible-believing pastor to stand up and tell the truth. And as a church, you need to know that we stand on the truth of the Word of God. And it doesn't matter who is speaking the truth. What matters is that the truth is spoken. And when our media no longer speaks the truth, it's the responsibility of pastors everywhere to stand up and speak. So I want to take a minute now, and I want to pray for our leaders. I want to pray for Governor DeWine. I want to pray for our local leaders, that they will see the wisdom of opening up our economy soon, because people are hurting. There are small businesses that are going to go under. There are people in our church that are suffering because of a ridiculous lockdown. Yes, this lockdown is absolutely absurd, and more and more people in the nation are beginning to see that. So let's go to the Lord now and ask Him to help us. Lord, Will you please be with Governor DeWine specifically? Lord, be with our president. And Lord, I do believe that the people that he has around him, people like Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, I do believe that they have bought into the globalist lie. I believe that they are hearing information and repeating information that is not true. And so, Father, please protect our president, help him to get information, good information. And then us as a people, help us to know how to live our faith out in this world how to speak the truth in this time of darkness. So, Father, help us now as we study your word. And, Lord, help us to be light in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at Mark chapter 3 with me. And look at what it says in verse 20. And the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. So this is the, the people are seeing that Jesus has been doing miracles, and they really want to see him. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, He is beside himself. When his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, He is beside himself. Who are these people that are trying to lay hold on the Lord Jesus Christ? I preached this text for the first time 
And I, I looked back at my notes. I have them in front of me here on August 16th of 1998. But I've referenced this over and over and over again. And I'm sure that Dodie New has these notes in her Bible. She has this in her Bible. She'll tell me that, yes, I had those notes in my Bible. She calls it her Jim Alter study Bible. Well, as I was thinking about this time, as I was thinking about what's going on, the things that I just said, the statements that I just made, there are people who are only listening to NPR or CBS or CNN or MSNBC. And they think what I just said is crazy. They think what I just said is insane. Well, we as believers, we have been seen as crazy for a long time. And that's because they thought Jesus Christ was crazy. And not only the general uh, uh, intelligentsia in Jesus' time thought he was crazy, but let's see who these friends are. Let's see who's being spoken of here. Verse 21 again. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, he is beside himself. Now, what does it mean for someone to be beside themselves? Hold your place here. Go to Acts chapter 26. And I believe it's verse 40. Well, it's certainly not verse 40. Um, Oh, well, there's a passage where I believe it's King Agrippa, and he is talking to the Apostle Paul, and he says, much learning hath made thee mad. And he said, you're beside yourself. It might say something like, thou art beside thyself. What does that mean? Well, when you're beside yourself, you're crazy. So go back to Mark chapter 3. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, he is beside himself. So who is it that thought that Jesus Christ was crazy? Who is that? Well, look down at verse 31. There came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him calling. And look at what happens. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother, or who are my brethren? And I want you to notice a couple of things about this. Number one, Jesus had brothers. Jesus had brothers. That's what the text says. So if you belong to a faith that says that Jesus Christ did not have brothers, or that teaches the perpetual virginity of Mary, then you have a faith that contradicts the Word of God. The Bible says, let, all, let, let, let God be true and every man a liar. So if a church or a teacher says something that violates the Scriptures well, then that church or that teacher is a liar. And so we need to understand that Jesus Christ had brothers and sisters. Look at, uh, I'll t show you something interesting. Look at John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And this is a verse that I think a lot of people uh, just ignore. And look at what it says in verse 1. John chapter 7 and verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. He said, what they're saying is, we're getting ready for the Feast of Tabernacles. We want you out. 
And remember, the Feast of Tabernacles, what they would do is they would clean out the house to make sure there was no leaven in it, take the furniture out, sweep it out, make sure there's no leaven in it. They didn't want Jesus in the house for the Feast of Tabernacles. Then look at what it says. Verse 4, For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. Go out and show the world what's going on. Look at what the Bible says, verse 5. For neither did his brethren believe in him. They didn't believe in him. We mentioned, I believe it was last week, that James, the brother of Jesus, it was on Easter Sunday that we talked about this, Resurrection Sunday. We talked about this, that one of the evidences that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead was the fact that his brother James, who had not believed in him, after he saw his brother crucified and then risen from the dead, well, then he believed in Jesus Christ. Well, I suppose rising from the dead would do that. And so James believed, but here at this point, James did not believe. Look with me at Psalm 69, the 69th Psalm. We're going to go back to Mark in a minute. The 69th Psalm. Have you all missed turning in your Bibles on these Sunday mornings? I've missed doing it with you. Look at Psalm 69. And look at verse 8. Psalm 69, 8. And this is a messianic psalm prophesying the Messiah. And it says, I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children, unto my mother's children. So if someone is teaching the perpetual virginity of Mary, they have to rip out pages of the scriptures. Amen. I hope you all are saying amen there in your house. It was fun when I was preaching the Bible conference over in Marysville. I was outside for most of it and the, the cars were in the parking lot. People were listening on the radio and they would say amen by honking. And so then a couple of the days where it was too cold and I was preaching from inside, I would say something and I could hear all the horns out in the parking lot honking. I wish I could hear you all saying amen right now. If you have a faith that denies what the Bible says about Mary, then you do not have a biblical faith. Someone mentioned that in our town, if you go to a particular school, there's a giant statue of Mary and a smaller statue of Jesus. I'm just telling you, if you have a faith that elevates Mary above Jesus, you've got the wrong faith. For there is salvation in none other name than that of Jesus Christ. And notice what happens in this text. Go back to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. And look at what it says in verse 33. And so verse 32, And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. I want you to think about something. There are people that they, they revere Mary. Jesus never did. And I want you to notice something. Jesus never referred to her as mother in the scriptures. Remember on the cross, he said, Woman, behold thy son. And then to John, behold thy mother. When Mary came to Jesus and wanted him to do the miracle, and he said, Woman, what have I to do with thee? This is the way that he referred to her. Why did he do that? Because he was violating the scriptures that say, honor your father and your mother? Of course not. Jesus constantly obeyed. He fulfilled the law in every point. What was he doing? He knew there was going to be a group of people that would begin worshiping her rather than him. And the Bible says that, that God will not share his glory with another. Praise God for the faithfulness of Mary that as a young virgin that she could be the one to carry and to bear the Lord Jesus Christ in her body. Praise the Lord for that and praise the Lord for her faithfulness. But at some point along the way, she stopped believing in who he was. 
And this is like so many people. When you begin behaving like a believer, you will have believing family who say, well, wait a minute, you're going a little bit too far with this Christianity stuff. I can't believe you're giving that much money to the church. Why do you spend so much time there? Why do you care about this? Why do you vote according to your faith? Why don't you vote according to your party? You see, this is the world that has always been, and this is the world that we are now living in. I want to make a few comments about this text. Go back with me to verse 21. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, he is beside himself. I do remember that I read quite a bit from Alexander McLaren when I uh, preached this message the first time. And I'm sure that much of this came from McLaren because the wording is better than anything I could write. So listen to what the, the, to, to this point number one. There was something in the character of Jesus which appeared to the common man as insanity. There was something in the character of Jesus that appeared to the common man as insanity. You see, Jesus' family didn't believe in him. Go to uh, John. Hold your place here, Mark. Go to John chapter 10. And I think it's verse 20, John chapter 10. Look at verse 19. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Now, it is interesting. I do think that there is a connection between someone who is possessed of a devil and, and, and appearing to be insane. I think that that's happened throughout all of history. I think that there have been evil people that appeared to be insane and it was a demonic activity. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But what happens when you are behaving as a believer and the world thinks you're insane? With Jesus Christ, look at what happened. Look at verse 22. Go back to Mark 3 and look at verse 22. And when the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, look at this, he hath Beelzebub. And that's, that's, uh, that, that's Baal-elzebub in the Old Testament. This is a name for Satan. It's a title for Satan. Beelzebub, Lord, Lord of the Flies. It's, it's a horrible thing. All right? So look at what they're saying. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. So here are your choices. His family says he's crazy, and the religious leaders say he's demon-possessed. We have a lady in our church that when she was born again, her mom went to the priest. And her mom asked the priest, uh, What does it mean... When my daughter says she's born again, and the priest said it means she's demon-possessed. Nothing ever changes, people. It doesn't change. The, the, your family will think you're crazy, and the religious world will think that you're demons when you behave like the Lord Jesus Christ. There was something in the character of Jesus Christ which appeared to the common man as insanity. Wow, what an amazing thing. And you understand that, that people follow people. They don't follow the Lord. We as believers are supposed to be different. So number one, there was something in the character of Jesus that to the common man appeared to be insanity. Number two, the similarity of the judgment that will be passed by the world on all of Christ's true followers today. The same intolerance of anything higher than the low level the same incapacity to comprehend simple devotion to God, the same dislike of the man or woman who comes and rebukes by his silent presence 
the vice in which he takes no part. It's fun. The next point on my outline says, what Christianity in 1998 needs is a little more insanity. And I'll tell you this, what Christianity needs in 2020 is a little more insanity. See, we've got to stop just going along with the world. We need to live for Christ out in the world. We love him. That makes us different than the world, and we will appear, we will appear peculiar to the world. We don't have to look like the Amish. We don't have to behave in that way. We don't become monastics. We live our faith out in the world, and we're getting ready to go back out in the world, and it's time for us to live our faith out in it. Let's stop being like the world. Let's start being like Christ. And if that brings reproach, so be it. We need to determine that we are going to follow Christ and be faithful to him regardless of what the world says about us. This is such an important point. Don't gauge your devotion to Christ by how it is accepted by those Christians around you. Let me read that again. Don't gauge your devotion to Christ by how it is accepted by those Christians around you. You know, we might get the reputation that we're too hard doctrinally, that, that your pastor will stand up against false doctrine whenever it pops its head up. And what we're going to do is, like the Apostle Paul, when he talks about those people, we say, whose mouths must be stopped. We're going to say, not here. Not at Grace Baptist Church. Not as long as this word is exalted. Not as long as we hold to the Scriptures. We are going to stand for the truth. That means that we divide from false doctrine. That's going to look crazy to the world. It always has and it always will. But praise God, we are united with Christ. I had someone say to me one time, a religious leader here in town, and uh, I hadn't been going to the ministerial association meetings, and he asked me why. And so I told him that the Bible says that if someone brings doctrine contrary to that which you have learned, mark him and avoid him. Mark him and avoid him. And then the Bible says, that's, that's Romans 16, 17. And then in, in the book of Galatians, it says, if anyone brings another gospel which is not another, let him be accursed. And so if there are churches in town that don't preach the gospel, they, they don't preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for salvation, if they add something to it or take something from it, if they don't believe in the deity of Christ or the virgin birth, if they believe that you have to be baptized to be saved, if they believe that there's no such thing as the Trinity... They don't believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. If they don't believe in those things, if they believe that you have to join a church to be saved, that's another gospel, and they need to be accursed. That preacher needs to be accursed. So I said that to him, actually much more gently than I just said it here. And he said this. He said, but I know that, I know, he said, I know those verses, but I also know that Jesus prayed that we would be one. And I said, yes, I love that verse. It's in John chapter 17, but you need to finish the verse. It says, as I and my Father are one. Did you know that God the Father and God the Son don't disagree on salvation by grace through faith alone? Do you know they don't disagree on that? Do you know that God the Father and God the Son both believe in eternal security? Did you know that God the Father and God the Son both believe in a born-again church membership? Did you know that God the Father and God the Son believe in baptism after salvation as a testimony of your faith? Did you know that God the Father and God the Son don't disagree on what a church is? So if the people... Other preachers will agree with what the Bible and what God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit believe on those things. We can get together. We can have wonderful fellowship. But until then, we will stay separated from them. And that's going to tell the world that we are crazy. Nah, we're not crazy. We just love God. We love his word. And we actually love those people that disagree with God and his word. 
We just can't participate with them in ministry. We believe God and we believe God's word. That is our authority. And when we live that faith out in this Christian world, the the world themselves, they won't really care that much about it. Those who call themselves Christians will come just like the scribes and they'll say that we are demonic, that we're causing division, that we're causing trouble. When, of course, Jesus Christ said that he didn't come to bring unity. He came to divide. Doctrine always divides. Why? Because truth matters. It is better to be called names than to be applauded by a world that likes nothing better. Listen. It is better to be called names than to be applauded by a world that likes nothing better than a church that has its teeth pulled and claws cut and can be a plaything of Satan. Folks, we want to be the church that the, that the gates of hell can't prevail against. We want to be the church that stands as a lighthouse in darkness, in the darkness of the world and in the darkness of the Christian world. We're going to stand for the truth of the Word of God, and if that makes us seem crazy, then so be it. So be it. Now, again, if you're watching, you're not from Grace Baptist Church and you're watching this, you might be thinking, man, that preacher seems mean. Listen, there's only one way to go to heaven. There's only one way to go to heaven. And that's by faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's it. If you belong to or participate in a church that says salvation is, is, is brought about in some other way than that, and that's what you have believed, then you're going to go to hell. What's more hurtful, your eternity in hell, or me saying, please don't go to hell. Believe in Jesus Christ. Trust His message, His death, burial, and resurrection. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When Philip... God sent Philip to talk to the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah 53. And Philip comes up in his chariot and starts talking with him. And he asks the eunuch this question, Understandest thou what thou readest? Do you understand what you're reading there? And the eunuch said, How can I except some man show me? So at that spot in Isaiah chapter 53, Philip starts preaching Jesus Christ to him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's what the Bible says in Isaiah 53. And so then there is, they're going along. The eunuch starts to understand what Philip has taught him. And he knows that he needs to be baptized if he's saved. And so he asks Philip this question. He says, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Why can't I get baptized? And listen to what Philip said to him. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And what happened next? And so he stopped the chariot. They both went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, if he was just going to sprinkle him, then they didn't need to go down into the water. Isn't that right? So he baptized him by immersion, which is always the way baptism is done in the scriptures. Always, always. Check it out. Always, every time. Baptism is always immersion. It's what the word means. But what did he say to him? He didn't go to him and say, you must be baptized. He said, you must be born again. You have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go to a church that says you have to be baptized and that's your salvation, that's not a biblical message. That's not a biblical message. If you go to a church that baptizes you as a baby and that places you into the body of Christ, there's nowhere in the Bible that that is taught. Nowhere, 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 nowhere. I just told you what Philip said to the eunuch. 
it's so important that you understand that I am not just being mean to the other churches. Salvation is important. If I knew that there was a bridge out and you were heading to that bridge, I'd run in front of your car. I'd do whatever I could to keep you from going over that bridge. And if I didn't do that, then I'm an evil person. As a preacher of the Word of God, if I don't stand here and tell you that if your church is preaching another gospel, that church is sending you to hell. If I don't stand here and tell you that, then I am an evil preacher. But folks, I love you. I love God's Word. Don't you love John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't say believe in Him and then be baptized. It doesn't say become a church member. It doesn't say give money. It doesn't say be good. It says believe. Have you believed on Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life? I'm just telling you, if you participate in a church that teaches anything other than that, that church is teaching false doctrine. It is violating the Word of God. And I'm glad that I get the opportunity to tell you that. But it might make you think I'm crazy. I'm not. I believe every word of this book. I want to talk about the sanity of the insane. Imagine a man who believes there's a God. And he believes that God has something to do with him. He believes that he's going to die. And he believes that the future state is in some way or another, in some degree, one of retribution. That is that what happens in life affects what happens after death. And from Sunday morning to Saturday night, ignores all these facts and never allows them to, in, to influence his actions. You know that what happens in this life affects what happens in the next. You know that something is going to happen after you die. And yet, from Sunday morning through Saturday night, none of that affects how you live. Is that really sane? Is that sane? I would say no. Imagine a man that believes and really believes in the doctrines of Christianity. That is the virgin birth. That Jesus Christ was born of a virgin without the aid of a human father. They believe that he lived a sinless life. They believed in his deity, that he was, is, and always will be God. Imagine this person believes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Imagine that this person believes in the miracles of the Bible, that they actually happened. Imagine that this person believes that Jesus Christ is coming back bodily to this earth to rule and reign on this earth. And when he comes back the next time, he's coming back in judgment. He came the first time to preach and to die. The second time, he's coming back to live and to judge. Imagine the person who believes that. But his heart has just a tiny tick of love in response. He believes that prayer works, but almost never prays. He believes that self-denial is the law of the Christian life, but he still lives completely for himself. He believes that he is here as a pilgrim, just passing through, but he hangs on to the world like a man going over Niagara Falls and grabbing at anything he can find. This is the majority of Christians today. Does this sound like sanity? Folks, if we really believe what the Bible says, and we really believe that there's an eternity, and we really believe 
that the people who succumb to the coronavirus and die, if we really believe that their eternity is either with Christ or it's in hell, all based on whether they whether or not they have believed and received the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we truly believe that and we do nothing, are we really sane? But imagine a man who loves Christ and lives like it. His work, his promotions, time, affection, service, finances, witnessing, prayer, faith, testimony, giving, attitude, eternity. They're all focused. They're all focused. As the believer should do. You say you believe in him, then walk even as he walked. I think that's the genuine sanity, but to the world that will seem insane, and that's okay. They thought Jesus was crazy too. Folks, let's live for Christ. Let's be believers out in the world. Let's stop being this milk-toast, panty-waist, soft, just awful, disgusting, weak Christianity. Let's be strong. Let's be kind. Let's be loving, but let's be true. Let's live like believers in this world. Sanity. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Are you sane to the world? Or do you fear the Lord? Which one describes you? Let's stop worrying about what the world thinks about us. And let's live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this technology. Lord, I really believe that you put this message on my heart for this hour, for this time. Father, help us as believers to get ready to go back out into the world and represent you well. Lord, help us not to go out into the world angry. Help us not to go out into the world mean. Help us to demonstrate your love and kindness. But help us to never back down from the truth. And part of that means we must speak the truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4 identifies that as the height of biblical maturity, speaking the truth in love. Lord, help us to be those people. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here that's watching this message and they've been trusting their baptism or their church membership, they haven't believed in the God of the Bible. They've trusted in something other than your death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, I pray that today will be the day of their salvation, that they'll come to you and they'll humbly say, Lord, I have not been trusting the right thing. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're watching this and you've, believing some, you've been believing something that's not true, the word repent means to change your mind. If what you've been believing is wrong, you need to change your mind about that and believe what is right. And then we as believers, doesn't matter if the world thinks we're crazy, let's all be crazy together. That's why we need each other, and I can't wait to get back together with you in this room. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to give. Don't forget to reach out to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Make sure that our brothers and sisters in Christ are being cared for during this time. And then let's all get back out there and represent Christ and then get back in here and worship together. Great to be with you. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday night.